Right, move along, move along, it's finished. It is finished. That's what he said, didn't he? You saw what happened, didn't you? I've had to crucify many men in my service to Caesar before, but something is wrong here. I admit, I've never felt like this before. As if I were the one who committed the crime, and not this man who I've just nailed to the cross. What kind of man is this? That when he dies, the very earth shakes as if it's in mourning and grief. That the sun itself would turn away its light. That I, a centurion of the mighty Roman legions, who is a commander of, a, of over 100 men, who has shamelessly and without regret crucified hundreds of people, that such as I should now feel guilt? That such as I should be overcome with fear? My heart beats faster than I've ever known in battle before. My brow sweats. I panic. What kind of man is this? I'm in awe of this man that I've killed. The very earth shook in pain when he uttered those last words. It is finished. Try as I might. Can I believe otherwise? Certainly this was a righteous man. Truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus Christ is a name that pretty much everyone will recognize. And most people would agree that he sounds like one of history's better guys. He's been described as the first person to achieve global fame without conquering the world by violence. And if you read about his life, it was filled with some pretty strange assignments. He turned water into wine once. <laughs> Sounds like the type of guy that will always keep a party pretty vibrant. He met hatred with silence. Spoke a lot about God's kingdom and described in great detail its requirements. He never wrote a book, but his words were groundbreaking. He was no trained doctor, but healed many people that were ailing. He was born with a price on his head. Literally, from the moment that he entered this world, influential people wanted this guy to be dead. He wasn't glamorous like King David or Samson. And the Bible even says that he wasn't particularly handsome. It's true. <laughs> He's not the type of hero that Hollywood depicts but he's had more impact than anyone that exists. So what is it about this man? How can he be described as the lion and the lamb? Surely it's got to be one or the other, right? Was he a walking contradiction? Did his words contain a lot of wisdom, or can we afford not to listen? No. He said more than I can get into this short space of time, but 
Let me share some of his words that are favorites of mine. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. I'll say that again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is given to them. Now, don't let that one go over your head, because that's cause for rejoice if we know what he said. He's offering the kingdom of heaven to poor people. And not just those that are financially poor. He's opening it up to so many more. People that haven't got it all together. People that don't necessarily feel that important or like they could be doing a lot better. Maybe that's people like you and me. And if these words are true indeed, then that offer was revolutionary. Because he's saying that our value isn't defined by the things of this world, but it's defined by God himself. Let me share one more thing that he said. Now, just to be clear, I'm paraphrasing, but you can read in Mark 12 the words that he's saying. Love your God with everything inside of you and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than that. And it sounds kind of simple, but it's a poignant reminder that we were made for love. Because love is the very thing that Jesus represents. It's the reason he was sent. So anyway, he went around saying and doing these amazing things. And he often had a large crowd that came to him. He lived a blameless life. Yet he gave his life as a sacrifice so that we could be made alive. He was sentenced to death, nailed to a cross alongside a couple of thieves, mocked by onlookers as he struggled to breathe, and then he died. But that's not where the story ends because he came back to life. Death was defeated. <laughs> Yeah. Death was defeated, and his work was completed. And what this means is that we can relate to God in a way that we've always needed. It means that we can experience freedom. Freedom from all different things that might try and trip us up. Things like hate, hurt, anxiety, all that different stuff. Because when those things try to hold us down, God will lift us up. And that's available right now for you. There's nothing that you need to do other than believe it's true. Jesus is inviting you to follow him and be part of his kingdom. To accept that you're forgiven. And to surrender your life in order for you to really start living. And the only question that I have left is, do you want to make that decision? Now... If you would like to make this decision, and at this point you decide, you're thinking, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, then there's going to be an opportunity. We're going to have a song now from Peter and Rosie, and there will be people at the front over here to this side, and there'll be people to pray with you if you feel like at this point you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Um, for me, it's 
freed me from so much and it's the best decision that I've ever made. Can anyone else agree with me on that? Yeah? Yeah. Because it's life. It's the only thing that will actually give us real life. And it might not sound like it makes sense, but actually giving my life to Jesus allows me to live. So we're going to have a song now, and there will be people over here. And if you would like to, to make Jesus Lord of your life now, then there's an opportunity for you to do that. Hello, everybody. Um, there's a big difference, isn't there, between uh, looking at a picture of a bridge um, and even believing that it's going to do what it says it's going to do, that it's going to hold our weight, and actually stepping out and, and walking on that bridge. This one is in India, I think, somewhere. Um, see, for most of my life, and I've grown up in this church, um, I've been through kids' work and everything like that, I've never really had much of a problem believing in the message of Jesus. You know, I've heard it all my life. It's always been a part of kind of, you know, what's going on in my mind. And I've never really struggled to believe that he is who he says he is. And that all the stuff we've heard about this morning is, is true in some sense. Um, but see, that, that's not what Nick was talking about earlier when he, he gave his spoken word. He was talking about something different. It wasn't just about believing in something. It wasn't just about thinking that something's true, but actually surrendering, actually saying to Jesus, I want to make you Lord. I want to give everything I am to you and to follow you with my life. I feel like that's a bit like the difference between looking at a picture of a bridge and actually walking on it, actually stepping out and walking on it. See, for most of my life, I struggled with intense anxiety. Um, so from the age of seven, uh, I was diagnosed with something called OCD, which you know, is quite familiar to a lot of us. It's often in popular culture, this um, idea that you, you, know, you have to wash your hands a lot or you have to go around checking things. But the reali reality is it's different for everybody. And for me, OCD looked like uh, repeating things lots of times. Um, so how it would work, I'd be going throughout my day. I would be doing some ordinary activity, maybe having a drink of water or whatever. And a thought would come into my mind, a fearful thought, along the lines of, you're going to die, or you're going to get cancer, or something awful is going to happen to your family. And this thought would come into my mind, and I'd feel like I had to do that activity again to erase the thought, um, and then everything would be okay. And so I'd put the drink down, and I'd pick it up again, and try and you know, not think of that thought. But as I'm sure you can all imagine, when you try to not think of a thought, what do you do? You think of the thought. So you can see how that quite quickly can get into a bit of a a sticky situation, and I find myself having to repeat things again and again and again, and this continued throughout my whole life. Um, so it started about the age of seven. I remember I didn't sit my uh, SATs in year six, my exams, because I just sat there reading the exam paper again and again and again and not actually doing the questions. And I remember it got to the mocks, and the teachers were like, what, what's going on here? Um, and the reality was I just kept having these thoughts, and I had to keep re reading it again and again. Um, it continued into my teenage years. Um, reading was never something that I could really do much of, certainly not for pleasure. Um, even when I went to uni, it continued to affect things. I remember you know, sometimes I'd be walking down a street, and midway through uh, walking down the street, a thought would come into my mind, and I'd have to completely retrace my steps. 
and, and go back right to the start of the street and, and do it again. I remember one time I was on the tube and I had to get off the tube and then go back several stops and then carry on um, because these thoughts were coming into my mind. Everything was affected by it, going in and out of rooms, going up and down stairs. Um, and you can imagine that's not much of a life to be living. I just want to share a, a quick chunk of the Bible. Um, this is in the New Testament. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now that sounds a lot like me. That's where I was. I was a slave. I was living my life as a slave to the fear of dying. And I, I kind of believed this to be true, but you know what? It wasn't affecting my life at all. I was still a slave. I was still held back. But in about 2013, something started to change. Um, and it's, it's hard to describe what happened. It was a change inside of me, um, but it also had to do with the people that I was around and the people that were encouraging me um, and how God was just showing his love to me over a period of time. And I began to actually trust in Jesus. I began to trust that what he said was true was actually true, that what he said he'd done for me was actually going to affect my life in some way. It was like I was starting to step out and put my weight onto that bridge. Most of all, I began to trust that a life with him was going to be better than a life without him that I'd try and made, made for myself. See, doing all of these rituals and repeating things again and again, that was like me trying to create a life for myself that was free from harm, free from fear. But I began to trust that actually a life with him was always going to be better. Even with the uncertainty, even not knowing what was going to happen, that had to be better because he loved me and because he'd done this for me. He'd embraced the worst that I could ever imagine so that I could be free. I love flipping that, that, last, that last bit there, living their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. All of our life as a slave to the fear of dying. If you flip that, for all eternity, we're, we're going to be free. We're going to be absolutely free. And as I started going through this process, and it literally affected every, every moment of my life, every drink that I was drinking, every time I went in and out of a room, every time I was walking down the street, I was doing this. I was saying, no, Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I'm throwing my weight upon you. He began to lead me to complete freedom. And doctors had said that with OCD, the best you can hope for is to bring it down to a manageable level. You know, it's always going to be there. We can try and contain it a little bit, but it's always going to be in the background. And, and I can now say that it hasn't affected my life in any way for about four years. I've tasted the freedom that, that the Bible talks about, that Jesus died to give us and that we've heard about this morning. And the amazing thing is it's not just a nice story for me, but it's a promise for all of us. Um, this passage right here is true for every single one of us. How many of us experience anxiety in some way? It may not take the form of OCD like it did for me, but I think that fear of dying, it filters down into so many areas of our life. Fear of what people think of us. 
Fear of if we're going to mess up, if we're never going to make anything of our lives. What happens if we don't get these grades? What happens if, if I get ill or get sick? And God can, can set us free from this. But the other amazing thing is, it says in the Bible that through Jesus' death, he also broke the power of sickness. And he can also give us physical healing as well. It says in the Bible that by his stripes, by the marks of the whip on Jesus' back when he was, was punished for us, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. And we really want to offer an opportunity this morning, because we believe in this with all of our hearts, for anybody who's experiencing any kind of anxiety, any kind of fear, maybe what I said strikes a chord with you, maybe you recognize some of it, maybe it's slightly different. But if you want to experience freedom in any way, freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, freedom from sickness, then we want to offer an opportunity for you to be prayed um, to taste that freedom that Jesus has paid for. And we're going to have a space just at the side, just like we did earlier. And if that's you, um, we really believe that God's power is here to, to heal and set free this morning. So we'd just love to invite you to come and respond in that way.